Welcome back to the Front Row Podcast. I'm back here again with Fionn and Rain. And to on the day recording, the winter testing has just finished. Gentlemen, did you just watch it? I was, yeah, I was watching it uh, all three days. Now, I will admit, not very intently. There was a lot of other stuff going on. Ireland were playing in the rugby, that sort of thing. So... I got an overall view of what was going on. I know who the winners and losers are. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I had it on in the background. Uh, the most important thing for me was having the old commentators on so I can steal all of their opinions and look like I know what I'm talking about. Yeah, that's uh, pretty much accurate to how I did mine out. Now, I did I did plenty of research in the time up, upcoming to this podcast. So, I have all the stats I can keep you in check, especially if you're. On, I know you love to whip out a fact that absolutely doesn't exist, but um, yeah. So I can keep you in check. So Rain, you mentioned the winners and the losers. Who were the winners and the losers? Who stuck out for good or for bad? I think both of the Red Bull teams are looking very strong this year. So we saw Verstappen time and again, uh, put himself on the top of the timing charts. Also, Yuki Sonoda looked very strong in that uh, Alpha Tauri he has. Uh, had second place in the standings today, which is Sunday. Um, and yeah, even Gasly as well looked very strong throughout the whole weekend. Uh, the big losers, I would say, are probably Ferrari. Ferrari talked a big game coming into this year saying we've made a huge step forward with the engine and to be honest we're just not seeing that in terms of the times they're putting up on the board consistently. Another big loser I would say is Aston Martin. They had a lot of technical issues um, and we heard Sebastian Vettel come out and say he needs another 100 laps in the car before he gets comfortable. So uh, if anybody was listening last week, we heard a very hot take from uh, Fionn and we're going to hear a lot more of that, I think, going through the first three weeks because I reckon Vettel is not 100% comfortable with this car yet. I think Lance Stroll will have the better of him in the first three weeks or so. So, Fionn, we were just talking about Aston Martin there. What do you? What did you make of your lover boy Lance Stroll's uh, performance in testing this week? Yeah, I don't think they'll be happy either of them. I know Vettel is the one that was given out the most, but I don't think Stroll will be particularly happy either. Aston Martin, it's just messy. I agree with Rean. I think the ideal for any team, it's very hard to know who's where. They do sandbagging, they pretend all this stuff, not everyone's running the same tires at the same time, the same strategy, doing things in different order. There's a lot of testing that goes on, which is obvious, but they're not racing each other, do you know what I mean? They're not trying to set one big lap time at the end of the weekend to go and try and prove everything wrong. Like A lot of these teams may not have shown their full true pace at all across the weekend. So, But when you get someone like Red Bull where nothing went wrong, they were right where everyone thought they would be. They put in a lap time, a very quick lap time here or there. They f didn't finish every day with the fastest lap time, but they got a couple yesterday and today. Or was it? No, sorry. It was uh, just today. Bottas was fastest yesterday, wasn't he? So I think, um, I think yeah, they, they won't be too happy and they'll have a lot to do. I agree with that. For me, the standout guy who looked sharp was uh, Ricardo, another guy who jumped into a new team. He seemed to hit the ground running. He didn't have any real problems. He definitely 
it didn't stick out that he was any slower or anything than than Norris or having any trouble handling the car, which I think is good for him. Anytime you come in to a teammate who's already been there, that's a good benchmark to look at yourself against. I think the worst, definitely the worst was Haas. I mean, they've told everyone themselves that they were losers before they even came in. They were bragging about how they're not developing this car whatsoever. I think that's shown. They were really slow. The two guys put in some middling lap times on very slick, on very soft tires, which is going to be not representative, I think, of their general pace on the weekend. And Mazepin seemed to lock up going into every single corner the entire weekend. So that might be something to watch out for. Mm. We got some feedback before the podcast which said we agreed too much on the last episode. And I'm going to disagree with Rain right here. I don't agree that Ferrari are a big loser this season, this this uh, winter testing window, because now their first day was pretty woeful, but Sainz did still manage a P5 on day one, and Leclerc managed a P6 on day two, which is not exactly terrible. It's not ideal for them. It's not necessarily what they might have been suggesting with their magnificent dyno work that they were doing during the off-season. But Sunday was much better. A P3 for Sainz in the evening session and a P10 for Leclerc in the morning session. Obviously, the morning being a lot slower. So those two results are very good. Leclerc put in a monstrous lap early on in that session. And uh, Carlos Sainz coming in clutch at the end as well with a, a great uh, run. A P3 only on the C4 tyres as well. So they started off badly. Uh, but they got there in the end and I think the leaving signs were actually positive rather than negative if I can rebuke you on that uh, being honest with ourselves we saw that the Ferraris were capable of putting in these monster laps last year uh, Leclerc started top 3 I think twice last year a feat that nobody thought was possible in the car so obviously there is a setup. That's right on the edge there in Ferrari. Um, that, you know, if you get it all perfectly, it's quite a fast car. But it's not very forgiving to the driver. What I would also say is the times at the end of the day don't really mean all that much. We could have seen that uh, very fast lap that you said came out of science. He could have been running with five kilos of fuel, whereas the other people around him were running with 40 kilos of fuel or something like that. It's winter testing is a little bit difficult to say well Carlos Sainz came P3 today therefore he's in a fast car well the assumption I'm making based off especially the last day of testing in the evening when the track is at its quickest that that is when people are going to do their low fuel runs their qualifying sim runs and he still managed a p3 on a c4 tire not even the softest tire uh same as max verstappen and only yuki Sonoda was between them on the c5 tire so i think whether or not you might be right in saying that yes they can they do have good one lap pace and that's not where the problem is uh and they were quite slow when they were doing their race runs as we've seen throughout the week so the issue might still be there but i still think that it is definitely an improvement on what they were doing before Kimi raikkonen was coming out and saying the ferrari engine is much better this year he was enjoying it alfa romeo another team who had a really good session uh they only 
Only once did they finish outside the top 10, and that was uh, the first day in the morning. Uh, Raikkonen finished outside the top 10, and that was because he was the morning session. Well, this is this is exactly my point. Their counterparts, um, Alfa Romeo, are making these big leaps forward in terms of their race pace. I thought Giovinazzi looked very good in terms of pace when he was on his race simulations. Uh and they were putting in very fast laps as well. And I don't think we saw that same step up from Ferrari that obviously the uh, the power unit is providing. Mm. So Fionn, you mentioned McLaren a little bit earlier on. Uh, very, mm. very solid. They're the only team... Uh, actually, never mind. I think that's actually wrong. Edit that part out, Berg. Yeah. Yeah, uh, McLaren looking very strong. You mentioned them earlier, Fionn. Uh, only once did they finish outside the top 10 in their runs, and they were a team that always split their sessions, so there was always someone doing the morning run, which is slower. Very, very positive uh, looking for them. What do you make of their chances going into the new season? I think, it's, I think they should be looking forward to it. And the reason I say that more than the times on the track... It, they were the one with the development that everyone was talking about. This raised up diffuser. That they did something funny with the diffuser. That's right on the edge of the rules. The things that Mercedes have done in the past. With their variable angle steering. That they had when you pulled the steering wheel last season. And these little things. And so I feel like if yours is the thing that everyone's talking about. And looking at really closely. Usually that means one that it's good and that they like the idea and they're going to try and steal it and two that it's going to add some speed to your car as well do you know what I mean if everyone else is trying to steal it they must think it's going to be really effective so I think they should be excited for for up and coming I think it's going to be very close between them and Ferrari I think they're going to be in the battle for third place to be honest so looking at Norris's results a P2 and a P4 uh, in his evening sessions rain what do you make of this battle for supremacy within the mclaren team who's coming out on top there i know you have your allegiances with uh ricardo but who do you see coming out on top uh with, with that battle it's a very interesting battle to be honest uh we saw maybe norris get the better of ricardo in terms of his their fast lap times but not by a whole lot um i think Ricardo has adapted very well to the car. Uh, I think it would have been a big change for him coming from that Renault power unit over to the um, Mercedes power unit. But of course, Lando Norris is doing the same thing uh, with, uh, with McLaren only moving to the Mercedes unit this year. Uh, however, of course, Lando Norris has got that experience in the car. He's got experience with the setup. The setup won't be all that different this year, considering the major real changes that are coming next year. So I would say that I was more impressed than I expected to be with Ricardo. I thought he was going to be a little bit further off the pace of Lando Norris, and that just feeds into my theory that he will be the number one driver at the end of the season. I think McLaren's biggest challenge is going to be making sure that these two boys play nice when they start getting towards the end of the season and maybe one or both of them are in the chance for the for the driver's title and McLaren are going to have one half eye on that constructor's title and maximizing the points split between both of them 
is going to be important for the team. So they might be a, a little bit of a challenge to try and manage those two guys. I know Ricardo kind of has, he's a very easy going, but he also has a very uh, feisty reputation, particularly when he's driving. His nickname's the Honey Badger. So it might be interesting to see them battle it out and try and keep it like not fair. Obviously, we want to see it tough, but try and keep them both on the track and both finishing races high in the points instead of trying to uh, shoot each other down. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Both of you Go guys, for it, both of you guys alluded to uh, this really big battle that's going to be going ahead between Lando Norris and Daniel Ricciardo in the coming season. And both of you have made um, references to comings together or, you know, being a little bit outside of the rules, let's say. I don't think that's going to be the case at all. We've seen Daniel Ricciardo in cars that the, the guy sitting next to him in the next car along is a competitor, is a fighter. And we don't see him coming in contact with them all that often. I think Daniel Ricciardo is actually quite... Yeah, respectful of his teammates while still pushing them forward. So he's going to leave that gap for uh, Lando Norris that he may not leave for another competitor. That's my opinion. But what about the other way around? We, like, obviously, we know that Lando and Carlos Sainz were very close. Uh, Carlos kind of took him under his wing in, in Lando's first year and the relationship developed from there. We've already heard from Lando saying he's not going to do the same. It's not going to be the same. He's going to step up. He's not going to be pally-pally with Daniel Ricciardo. How do we know that Lando will leave that space? Because we've seen it with Ricciardo and Max Verstappen. Now, they didn't come together too often, but I can think of a couple of instances, particularly Azerbaijan, when they it absolutely just fell apart. Now, who was to blame for their coming together? As you could argue it was Max, you could argue it was Daniel. But how do we know that uh, Lando is, is going to give uh, Daniel the same respect? Well, the, the honest answer to that is we don't. Um, but, like you alluded to in the last podcast, Lando Norris is one of the most talented young drivers on the grid, one of the most talented young drivers of all time in terms of his record coming out of karting and the lower divisions. So I think he's got a lot of know-how and, you know... we. We're, we're talking about this as if Carlos Sainz wasn't a big personality. Carlos Sainz was a huge personality. He's a, a winner in terms of he really pushes for the win each and every time he steps into the car. We saw him finish P3 uh, last year, or was it P2? P3? P2 and Monza. P2 and Monza, and he was not happy with himself one bit. He knew he was good for the win, and he just didn't perform on the day so I think evidence suggests from last season that Lando Norris is actually going to be a good teammate in terms of leaving enough room for the guy sitting next to him Daniel Ricciardo okay okay so moving on now to the kind of the elephant in the room I suppose bit of a disaster for Mercedes Fionn what do you reckon yeah, I don't know about you guys, but it seems like Lewis Hamilton's sick of winning driver's titles and now he wants a spinny boy title now. He was doing a lot of spins there today. I, I have to say I enjoyed watching him coming around the corner for his big blitzy lap on his super on his soft tires, his brand new soft tires. Goes around the corner and lights him up and spin does it not I think tr- full three sixty nearly gave him a good nice black spot. Had to come in and get them get them replaced. So 
I kind of enjoyed seeing that. Uh, do I buy in that this was like a terrible testing for them? Probably not. I think they're definitely going to be a lot faster than they looked. They still have their shakedown day. Plus, like, it's a little bit like Red Bull, right? Red Bull, they had a great testing in that nothing went wrong, right? Everything went smooth. So it didn't matter. Like Setting the fastest time every single day doesn't actually matter in testing. It's getting all of the information that you need in all of your different tests, whether that's quick runs or long runs or slow runs. Probably, to be honest with you, with Mercedes being as fast as they were last season and with the development being so close to last season's car, I reckon they were looking more at long runs than speed runs because they know the car has the speed. Now, obviously, the fishy tail that they started seeing with this car's setup might have taken some time away and might have made them reevaluate what they wanted to look at in terms of that how the car was set up. They might have thought it was set up a lot nicer than as they arrived into testing than what they saw when it was actually out on the track. So that might've disappointed them a little bit, but in terms of not setting a super fast time, I don't think they'd be that worried. Well, it certainly is an ideal that when they were switching from driver to driver, they had to take an additional hour to set up from one person's car to the other. Surely that's, uh, that's going to be to the detriment of them. They're losing out a full hour, which can be a hundred kilometers worth of laps. Absolutely, and I think that went very much against Valtteri Bottas, um, particularly in the first day. Uh, we saw him only get into a car, uh, and then they had a mechanical failure. So that time that was spent changing over just to get him out onto the track uh, would have cost him severely. Uh, Valtteri Bottas only managed to get out for the last 10 minutes or so in the, uh, in the first day the evening session um to actually put in a few laps so if you had that extra hour to get that car sorted out so if you could just pop lewis hamilton out and valtteri bottas in then get the car on the road have that mechanical failure that was always going to happen you have an extra hour to fix that problem and it really really cost them in the end now i will agree with both of you guys is this going to is this the demise of uh mercedes no i don't think it is uh but there are warning signs there that maybe the the top teams in the midfield along with red bull are gonna get a little bit closer this year that's i mean it's possible it's possible mercedes just had two like they had separated the tests between the two drivers and the, the different things they wanted to test just took some time to change over because it's not like, I just Googled it there, it's not like Hamilton and Bottas are crazy different heights like Russell or something where you've got to change a whole load of stuff on the car. So it doesn't really make sense why it would take so long to swap them over. That's why I'm thinking either they have crazy different styles and need like a whole load of aero changed or it was on purpose and Mercedes were trying to test because they got backlogged a little bit with that initial, like the very first run out was when they had that gearbox issue, right? Mm. So maybe they just got behind their scheduling so much that they decided to change big things between each break as opposed to change it as the testing went on. I don't know, but it could be possible. Yeah, and one thing that really needs to be pointed out here in terms of uh, did Mercedes have a disastrous weekend of testing? Well, they had Valtteri Bottas 
on the top of the timing sheets for Saturday. So I think that just shows that they're still capable of putting in those fast lap times. Yeah, there's again. There... I really feel like, I really feel like it's an overreaction because Red Bull had such a nice, clean weekend versus Mercedes. I think if a Mercedes had to put in exactly the times they had, only their driver came out like on the hour at changeover and they didn't have any mechanical obvious mechanical issues i don't think anyone would be talking about it it'd be a standard clean under the radar everyone would be talking about oh they must have something up their sleeve because they're looking at real technical bits and they're not interested in super speed laps so they must be really nailing down the final details of this car Mm. so let's talk about red bull for a minute they had an almost mercedes-like testing no problems top of the timing sheets lots and lots of long runs with perez uh it's all looking rosy for them. Do you think they can push on? Are they closer to Mercedes than they have been before? Fionn, you take this one. Yeah, I I think they are because uh, I think what stands out to me is that Perez was at least competitive to Verstappen. I know if you look at the time set today, Verstappen is 1.2 seconds faster than Perez on the same tyre, but what is nice is between Verstappen and Perez is only Ricardo and Sainz on the same tyre. So I think that bodes well. They're not expecting Perez to be challenging Verstappen for wins at a race. But they want Perez to be up around 2-3-4 and help slow down and game manage or race manage cars around him to give Verstappen the best chance. So I think that's really good. And like we said, it's not always about setting the fastest time. But they seem to get everything ticked off. They were nice and calm, no major dramas, and everything seemed to go smoothly, like you said. Yeah, so only a few left now. Uh, Alpine, quite a quiet can, can I, can testing I for on... them. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, so my major standout point for Red Bull in this testing is I'm the resident engineer here, so I like to look at what the the data and the facts are saying, and really it looks like the year of the rake when it comes to this year so for those who don't know what rake is rake is when your car is lower at the front and higher at the back and if you look at any red bull car for the last 10 years you'll see that the front end of the car is set up much much lower than the back end of the car now with the rule changes that came into the floor of the car um we're seeing some of the flatter cars struggle a little bit more with uh, managing the vortexes that are coming off the rear wheels. Now, what the rake does is you're basically running the whole car as a wing, so those vortexes do not affect the uh, the overall performance of the car that much. So we're seeing the likes of uh, Red Bull, who run high rake, doing well, and Alpha Tauri, who run high rake, doing well. So I would not be surprised if we saw some of the other big teams like Ferrari and mercedes go towards this high rake mentality unless of course they have something else up their sleeve to uh to manage these vortexes coming off or vortices is the correct term uh coming off the back tire mm. so you mentioned alpha terry there a very good uh winter testing for them particularly yuki tonoda comes in with a bang rain what do you make of him i mean this guy just continues to impress me um he's such a young driver to see where he's come from. I, I don't know the stats, but I think he was in karting in 2008. 
eight. Sorry, no, he was in Japanese Formula Four in two thousand and eight, and now he's in Formula One in two thousand and twenty one. That rise. He was in. Is... He was in Formula Four in two thousand and sixteen. Two thousand sixteen. Okay. Yeah. Put that he he would have been he, he would have been eight years old in Formula Four. Ga- <laughs> Gasly had already made his debut for Alpha. Okay, Power, start again. Right. Start he again. Was in, he was in Japanese Formula Ford in two thousand and sixteen and that rise to the Formula One, it's it's meteoric, to be honest. To get that far that quickly and to really stand out as one of the top performers of winter testing so far, it's just unbelievable. So, little known fact: he legally had to use a booster seat in Formula Four Japan. He was only four foot two. I cannot verify that. So, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so that was Sonoda. What about Gasly? What did you make of Gasly, Fion? I think both of them were pretty composed, right? They, nothing really went wrong. Again, they had, like Red Bull, they had a nice clean day out or three days out. They did everything looked like that they needed to do. There was no major panic, no major issues. I think that's all you can take from from this testing period. And both of them seemed to be able to put in quick times. The guys, the commentators were commenting how consistent Gasly was, mm. which is always a good thing uh, for a racer and something that... Uh, Alonso is famed for being able to put in these lap times time after time after time and I did notice yesterday as well on that long run that he did yesterday in the afternoon I believe he was he was pretty much the quickest out of all the other guys that were putting in kind of 40 plus consecutive laps or 30 plus consecutive laps and they was doing these kind of race stints of 30 block 30 lap blocks so I think it it bodes well, definitely, for both the avatars. Well, I'd like to chip in and actually say that I'd almost a little bit disagree. Now, I know he was quite consistent, but we saw Gasly come up to a, a near race situation uh, when in, in yesterday's testing, when he came up behind the, um, the Williams of Nazani. Now, he struggled... Latifi. Latifi, beg your pardon... He struggled to get by Latifi for a long time in that session, which is not something that you'd expect to see considering the steps forward that Alpha Tauri have made and the fact that, you know, Williams may very well be the worst car on the grid. Probably won't because Haas are pretty much conceding the year. But it's certainly worrying to see um Gasly being stuck behind a driver like Latifi for so long. Now, do I reckon? Oi. Do I reckon it's going to be an issue when we get into the the real nitty gritty of the season? I don't. I don't expect those two to be ever in a racing situation. But I just thought to myself when I was watching that, it doesn't seem right that Gasly could be kept up behind Latifi for that long. I think you're being a little bit harsh on on Gazi, given that it was a test. So we never know what kind of parameters he's been asked to stick to. Maybe he's been asked to keep tires at a certain temperature or they're looking at a certain bit of air while he's doing this long term. So he's trying to keep as much clear air as possible and kind of not not be in a race. And as well, these guys are terrified of crashing in. Like that's your worst possible thing you can do is crash into someone while you're going around. So right, right. maybe a little harsh. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. But the one major thing that stands out in terms of performance is DRS. And 
Gasly was using DRS to try and overtake Latifi. Latifi, being in a mm-hmm. race situation, was not using his DRS down the straights, and Gasly was still struggling to get by. I don't know whether that's an aero issue with the Alpha Tauri that it struggled following a car, or if it's just Gasly didn't have the the uh, the cojones to put it in where he needed to uh, for getting it by him, and maybe that's understandable in winter testing. Could be. I mean, credit where credit's due. After he did pass him, Latifi kind of flipped back into the background, even using DRS for one lap to try and get back. So we'll keep an eye on that, though, for sure. Yeah. I think, though, you can, despite that, it seems that AlphaTauri have made an improvement, for sure. Mm. Are they now a midfield team? They were in that kind of enigma of between, they were miles ahead of Alfa Romeo, Haas and Williams, but they were miles behind Alpine, uh, McLaren and Racing Point. Are they now the other team in that group? And they were even behind Ferrari as well, sorry. But are they now in that group, in that middle of the pack race? Yeah, categorically. I reckon they're in there probably around what is now Aston Martin and Alpine. I think those are going to be a group of three. And then, as I mentioned, Ferrari and McLaren up above above them fighting for third. Yeah, look, the um, the director of Alpha Tauri came out and said he was going to be fighting for a top four position. And I don't think that's outrageous for him to say, looking at how they've done in um in winter testing. Obviously, I raised the point about maybe they're uh following ability is not going to be that great but it looks like they're going to be able to set really blistering um qualifying times and that's going to put them ahead of the likes of um aston martin and maybe if they can keep out there in front they won't need to follow anybody they'll let the front crowd go off ahead the uh the red bulls and the mercedes and they'll just hold fort as the staple of the midfield. Mm-hmm. So a team we haven't looked at yet is Alpine. Very quiet from them. Uh, Ocon took the first day all day, and then Alonso took the second day all day. There was a lot of uh, distance running race scenarios for them. What did you make of them? They weren't really catching headlines, but not terrible either. I think these are a really strong team. Uh, looking at it, they weren't really going for those low fuel, high speed runs. They were more trying to get the race pace right, and I think Alonso did that very well. I think in, on Saturday, uh, he was definitely in the top ten in terms of um his overall time. Um, Who was it? Alonso. Alonso? Yeah. Uh yes, Alonso finished P ten. P10, right. And today he was P9. Yes. Right. And I think really Fernando Alonso has, you know, made his presence known in that team. I think the the times that he was putting up versus Ocon were very, very impressive. So now it might be difficult to really analyse this, but are Alpine stronger now than they were last year? Hmm. Do you have an answer, Phil? I don't know. No, I don't know if they're stronger now. I personally don't think they had a great test. And I mean, I'm looking at get 
okay, I'm looking at today's numbers more than any of the other ones, but if you're looking at Alonso on soft tires compared to Leclerc on medium tires, he's only two tenths quicker than Leclerc. Then behind Daniel Ricciardo on soft tires, the same as him, he's two tenths slower than Daniel Ricciardo. On soft tires, he's six tenths slower than Sainz on soft tires. So, I mean, compared to, and then Lando Norris on mediums is a good seven tenths quicker than Ocon on the same tires and only three tenths behind Alonso. Or do I mean hundreds? To my it's not tense, isn't it? Yeah, it's tense. To my recollection, a lot of their quickest times were set earlier in the day. Now there was one. What was mm-hmm. it? Uh, uh, Ocon on the C four or uh, where is it? Yes, Ocon on day one on the C four. That I think was late in the day. But the rest of their times, as far as I remember, early in the day. And as I've already said, track is much slower. So I do, I don't agree with you, and I don't think that you can read into them times so much i think what they were doing definitely in terms of alonso get him used to the car get as many laps in as he possibly can that's why they gave him the full day i think for the the second day just keep pushing him out let him adapt to it as quickly as possible i have to say though i was disappointed with Ocon. i i don't remember him at all from day one which is maybe my own memory or maybe he just didn't they were nice and quiet as you mentioned but it really seemed like even the commentary weren't commenting on on how close he was to Alonso, which, as the guy in the team, like the incumbent racer, you would expect him to be quite competitive with Alonso. Or at least, if, with Alonso being such a big name, you would hope that people are talking about how close it is and how competitive you are. And I didn't hear any of that chatter going on, which makes me nervous a little bit. So, Rin, I'll pass that initial question back to you in saying that are Alpine better now than they were last year as Renault with Daniel Ricciardo? Well, look, it's a very difficult question to answer. So, are have they made strides forward, I think, in terms of the engineering and the pace of their car? Yes, yes, they have. They now do not have to supply an engine for any other team on the grid. And I think that's suiting them quite well. Um, but have they made a step forward in comparison to their opponents? I'm not so sure. That midfield now is the most competitive uh, sector of the grid that we've seen maybe in a long, long time. Um, we heard the, the, exact, the, the chief of McLaren come out and say, we could be a second quicker on the year per lap but still finish fifth in the driver's standings for a team that came third in the driver's standings last year i think that's an incredible statement to make and i think it's a very true statement so have alpine made improvements yes yes they have but are they going to be any better off in terms of constructor standings and driver standings i'm not so sure i really think that uh other teams around them have made bigger strides forward so mclaren are obviously looking very strong through winter testing and so are alpha tauri so moving on from alpine now uh, we'll have a look at williams obviously they did an interesting strategy putting their reserve driver in for the entire first day rain what did you make of that 
I think it's a very interesting call. It's, I suppose, from William's standpoint, I think it's a smart thing to do. Um, I think realistically, at the end of this season, Williams are going to lose one, if not two, of their drivers. Now, that's going to be George Russell going forward to a better team, probably Mercedes. And will Latifi be able to hold on to his spot in Williams? Uh, so I think maybe blooding a new driver. Uh, Williams have always given time to young drivers. Uh, I think it's probably a good idea. Now, whether it's a good idea going forward for the season in terms of you know, giving your main drivers, your first two drivers confidence and the laps that they need in the car to get comfortable. We'll see. We'll see how it works out for them. But um, yeah, I, I liked how Nassani performed. Uh, he didn't seem too far off the pace. Um, so yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes going forward. Uh, an interesting stat that I learned from Williams uh, racing, and it probably says more about Haas than it does about Williams, but at no point did they finish a session behind Haas. At a, even Roy Nassani finished ahead of Mick Schumacher and Nikita Mazepin. Fionn, it looks pretty dire for Haas right now. Yeah, Haas are terrible, like I mentioned before. They've already come out and said that they're going to be terrible, like that we're not developing the car there was rumours that they changed something one of the nights and they're, they're going, oh, okay, maybe they're exaggerating how little they're developing this car and maybe they are spending a bit of resources in it. But, I mean, it looks crap. The two drivers are uh, being talked about as rookies and I guess that's fair, right? They are. But Sonoda, at no point nearly, did anyone mention he was a rookie. They were all praising how he was driving around, how he was handling the car, how the car looked in his hands. Mazepin was locking up. Schumacher, they were talking about him taking GF2 lines going through corners and he wasn't fully using the car and the track the way that a Formula 1 driver should be expected to. So, yeah, I think it's I think it's dire and I would not be surprised if they never get off the bottom over the course of this season. Yeah, I think love it or hate it, um, F1 has become a tyre management game and Yuki Tsunoda's use of tyres is unbelievable he already looks like a seasoned professional in terms of how well he looks after those tyres and we saw the exact opposite from Nikita Mazepin Nikita Mazepin was braking hard on every corner locking up a lot of oversteer understeer on some corners he just did not have control of that car and most worryingly for Haas he was burning through those tyres so if he has to make you know, three pit stops in a race as opposed to a Williams two-stopper, that's going to be a huge issue. It's 20 seconds of time per pit stop per race. It's not looking good for Haas at all. Allegedly, he was using the tyre smoke to hide his doping. <laughs> right. Uh, so or to hide to hide the Russia flag so that the WADA didn't come after him. That's <laughs> no screening. Actually, speaking of those Russian flags that he's not allowed to wear, I thought it was an interesting. The locomotive Russia University was amazing. Yeah, I thought that was an interesting choice from uh, Hass <laughs> to give um, on on Mick Schumacher's race suit. There's a big Hass logo, but on Nikita Mazepin's yeah. race suit, there's a big logo for the. Uh, Moscow State University. So, 
Yeah, he's. I find it interesting. Bypassing. I find it interesting there. that they're allowed. Uh, that they're allowed to have two different race suits. Mm. I wouldn't I have think expected that, comes that to from, happen. It's possibly. I think going that to, comes from personal sponsors. I guess it's possibly going mm. to disappear for the race season. Yeah. Yeah. Perhaps. Perhaps. What? So we've discussed all of the teams now and we've talked about who are winners and who are losers of the testing uh the the testing time. Has your mind changed on any of the teams? Will one of them do better than you thought or will any of them do worse than you thought? Yes, Ferrari will do better. Than I thought coming into this testing. They're now, in my eyes, they're fighting in that 3-4 battle where before they were in the 5-6-7 battle. So I think they've done an improvement. I disagree. They're, they're bogged down. They're staying where they were for last season. Everyone around them has made steps forward as well. You can't just look in Ferrari and go, Oh, look how quick they are in comparison to last season. Everyone is quick in comparison to last season. My big winners would be probably... Alfa Romeo, uh, I think they're going to take over that spot as the Alfa Tauri team. The team that sits between the backfield and the midfield. That's where they already were. How's that an improvement? It's not where they already were, will you stop? No, That's where wasn't. they were last season, no, for wasn't. sure. No. They were a step above Williams and Haas. They were nowhere near Alfa Tauri. But they're not going to be anywhere near Alpha. Alpha Terry are going to be miles ahead well, of them this th- season. That's they're... another question. Like we can talk about how much Alpha Terry improved. But so who's the bottom three? Who's the bottom three? But there is not go- not going to be a bottom three. <laughs> who's the bottom? It's three? going to be a bottom two. Alpha and Romeo gap. are going to split and, that gap. And then out. who's in third last? Alpha Romeo. Yeah. Okay. If you like, come on. You know so what? They, they haven't improved at all. But no, but that's, it that's... will be. Fion, that's the actually Alpha Romeo result. will. Alfa Romeo will bridge the gap between themselves and Williams and Haas. Sure, but will they finish any higher in the constructors? Which is, like, that's where all the points, the money... That is the question. The testing time... That's not an improvement if you're still... Oh, we're closer, but we're not. I, I, I absolutely can't agree with you there. If they can get closer to the midfield and still finish in third last, I know they don't get that budget, but they got that very important testing time in the wind tunnel for the big aero changes that are coming in 2022 is that based on how close you are no, or is that just based no, it's on based position? on your position so if they can yeah. fit so if they don't gain any spots if they're still third last but they, they, they get extra wind tunnel time then so if they if they, they bring themselves to that gap then next season they have an even better chance of pushing into that midfield right so, so it is beneficial finish- it's beneficial if they finish fourth last, they're not going to get the same testing time that they would finishing third last. And I think they can bridge oh, that gap. So they're going to get close and then have the extra time and get and leapfrog someone yes. next season. Right. Yeah. Okay. But this season, they're going to finish third last in the same place <laughs> they did, so they didn't get any. Alpha Terry, how high can they go? First. Technically, that's the highest <laughs> you can get. Uh, realistically, how high can they go? <laughs> uh... I think they can battle for maybe sixth. Sixth. So uh, only fifth. one, only one position. They're gonna be fighting. Yeah. They're gonna be fighting with uh, Alfa Romeo, are they? Yeah. <laughs> right. 
It's the same. I don't think they've closed enough, relatively speaking. Do you know, they absolutely lads. have. I think it's th- they're going to be putting the pressure on Alpine for sure. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I think opinion, that's the chance they have. Uh, the, I think they're going to finish ahead of Alpine. In my opinion, the real guys who should be worried are Ferrari. Ferrari are not going to finish ahead of these guys. Now, if Aston Martin don't get their crap together, they're going to go backwards. And Alpha Terry will finish ahead of them. They could be as high as fourth in the constructors' championship next year. And uh, listen, I I think Stroll is showing pace so far in the testing. Now, Rin, I'm kind of like you, not a massive Lance Stroll fan. Pants. But also, they have they <laughs> they also have Sebastian Vettel, right? And it remains to be seen whether he can bring back some pace. I believe he can. So I think Aston Martin will be competitive. My my point though is Aston Martin were looking so comfortable towards the middle and end of last season. How have they taken such a step back? We saw those comfortable teams such as McLaren. We're ta- now talking about McLaren are 10 steps ahead of everyone in the development of their car. Why are Aston Martin seeing these technical gremlins this late on in the season. We're going to see well, a race in two weeks' time. And I don't the gearbox, think they're going to be ready isn't for them. It's the same gearbox. that Mercedes upgraded their gearbox for this season. And uh, as a customer team, they were allowed a free-of-charge upgrade themselves to take the gearbox. So, which McLaren were actually very upset about because they're obviously a new uh, Mercedes customer. But... I think that's where it comes from. And you don't, you're not talking about Mercedes in that fashion, like, oh, where are these technical gremlins coming from? We have a race in two, se- two weeks. It's assumed they're going to get their shit together and they're going to be on the front of the grid. Why is it different for Aston Martin? Because this is pathological for, um, for Mercedes. They do it every year. Every year there's something that you say... Oh, there might be a chink in their armour this year. There might be something there where the teams around them can get closer. This year is no different. They have the resources and the finances and the engineering team to get this car at least into the top two teams for the coming race in two weeks' time. Whereas, you know, Aston Martin are not that adept at doing this sort of thing they haven't got that experience we're talking about a team who were force india five years ago struggling to get into the midfield these are a team who are not used to being in the lofty heights of third or fourth place in the constructors championship i don't think they have the resources to get ready for this race in two weeks time they're going to struggle in bahrain and that's going to put them on the back foot for the rest of the season Mm. okay so I think that's all we have time for on this episode. But before we go, I'm going to ask is really quick, just a three-word answer. I want who finishes third, fourth, fifth in the Constructors' Championship. Fionn, go. Ferrari. McLaren. Alpine. Interesting. Rin? My red hot take. Actually, no, I'm not going with that because... Red Bull were very strong. I was going to say that 
Uh, McLaren finish ahead of Red Bull, but I don't think it's going to happen not yeah, this year. No. Uh, so it's going to be a clear McLaren, Aston Martin, Alpha Tauri. Outrageous. Outrageous. Well, gentlemen, thank you for joining me. Well, today. I think, I think, I think by the way, <laughs> I think, by the way, before we should finish, I think we should just at least mention Murray Walker passing away during the week. Yes, Murray Walker passing away during the week. A legendary broadcaster. Uh, very sad to hear his death. I was actually listening to some of the Murrayisms today. Very, very funny. So, um, yeah, made, very sad he, to see him. He go. made a lot of races worth watching. That really yeah. shouldn't have been so. I I would recommend anyone listening to this podcast look up Murrayisms on YouTube, and there's plenty there to giggle at. So anyway, with that in mind, thank you for joining me today, and uh, yes, we'll see you again hopefully next week. Oh, 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 oh,